thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up For A Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And today we are going to actually answer your questions. I know we've been talking about this for ages that we would start answering your questions, but there always seems to be a topic that comes up that we, you know, that we feel is important. And you're not going to believe it, but we almost didn't come go here today. <laughs> we actually were about to interview somebody else, but we'll leave her for another time. We've decided to be disciplined, controlled, um, and, and do exactly what we've told you that we're doing, and that's answering your questions. So, I I, um, am about time. About time. <laughs> yes, about time. All right. So I, I just, I, first of all, I have a comment. So I love Lisa Calacarinas. Kel- she sends us a photo on the messages, and it's a photo of an excavator um, clearing uh, some land. And what the, what's happening in that excavator is her husband, and he's clearing land for their food forest, and he's listening to Up for a Chat. Now, Lisa, you may not want your husband to know that you've told us, so make sure he doesn't hear this one. Skip this one. <laughs> but thank That's you for the hilarious. photo. It was hilarious. I'm reading it going, is she listening to it or is he oh, he's listening to it in the excavator? Best picture ever. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, and you know so, what, just before you carry on, I'll, I'll, I'll read you one other one from beautiful Jessica as a beautiful feedback, which was, I don't know if you've seen this one, both of you, but thank you so much. I've just listened to episode 200 and I literally had tears in my eyes as I walked home from work. I feel connected, heard and motivated to keep going, to pull from within and focus on my path ahead to connect with the people who do inspire me, even if they are across the globe. I want to thank you so much for addressing this in this week's podcast. It means the world to me. Kiss, 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 Jessica. That's sweet. Yeah, I I love those because it makes you realise that, you know, we are actually doing something here instead of just having fun, which we do. We do have fun, I must admit. (laughs) Actually, Kimmy, let's ask you the first question. Um, So this is a question from Nadine, and she's looking for natural makeup brands. She has an extremely talented 12-year-old who wants to start a collection of makeup, so wants to give her the best um, and you know, find her the best. So you're the best at that. You're, I always, always, when they ask about personal care products and makeup, I send them to 28 and you, Kim. So do you want to talk about um, makeups? And I don't know if if this is worldwide or, or this is mm. just Australia, but we do know that most makeup brands would have internet sites so that anybody should be able to get any of the makeups that you talk about. Exactly. Look, it's a big topic. I mean, you can go into health food stores and question it, but even health food stores, still some of the brands in there doesn't necessarily mean they're chemical-free or completely 
um, safe or even organic. So do your research. Um, any ingredient that's on a label of a, of a makeup container or on a, um, on a packaging of any sort that you don't know, you can use the beautiful Chemical Maze app or you can go to the environmental working group ewg.org and there's a thing on there called Skin Deep and you can put the ingredient in there and it'll give you a red, orange or green light and obviously we're looking for a green light. So don't ever be afraid if you're not sure of a brand or if I'm going to talk about a brand that you don't know about, that's one way of finding out if it's a good natural brand. Personally, for me, there's a range of products I love to use. Um, there's things like Inika, I-N-I-K-A, Adorn, A-D-O-R-N, beautiful um, products like um, Jane Iredale, um, Ira Perez, uh, Dr. Hauschka, um, there's Living Nature, um, what else is off the top of my head? Um, beautiful hemp lipsticks. There's, there's, Eye, of Ho- there's Eye of Horus. Yes, good, beautiful Eye of mascara. Does, and eyeliners, and they're just going into lipsticks and lip liners now. And beautiful Adele that we've and had on. Sorry. No. Here you go. Um, Adele, that um, beautiful veggie head, Adele McConnell has now brought out a range of lipsticks called Dusk. Um, there's also beautiful products that you can go into. La Mav is a beautiful base, um, a gorgeous range of products. La Mav, L-A, and then a new word, M-A-V. There's another one, La Vere, which is L-A-V-E-R-E. These are all brands that I would feel very comfortable recommending and also feel very proud to say that I use so um, any of those and there's plenty more but they're the brand the main brands that I tend to use in my cupboard um, when I was in France last year oh, did I mention that sorry when I was in France last year I did find <laughs> quite a few beautiful brands in a in a beautiful health shops over there but they're not available here so there's no point going there but those ones are all ones that we do have if you go to 28.com the word 20 number 8.com and you look and you Google the blog in there on makeup. I've got a whole list of brands that I recommend on there if that makes it easier, if you're not sure how to spell them and where to find them. There's also an app called, um, and I learned this in England um, when we were doing our What's With Week tour, and there's an app called treehugger.com, oh. um, and you can download the app and and look at the ingredients, so avoiding risky ingredients, um, and it's, it's just an app app that will help people so go to tree hugger nice yeah perfect so cindy, what about yeah yeah i was going to say cindy or karen are there any other brands that you girls use that i've missed inica is what i use kim i i trust you and that's the only one um that i i've been using and and i'm throwing everything else out i've just decided that i, I have a real thing about throwing it out because makeup seems to last forever for me because i never wear it <laughs> <laughs> so nothing ever looks like it's been used and I'm thinking do I give it to goodwill or will they just throw it out or do I throw it out so there's a good question for you Kim <laughs> and um, Karen both of you I wouldn't share makeup I personally I, I that kind of no that doesn't light me up as far as um you know, if it's a, if it's a, unless it's a pump bottle or something that doesn't, you know, have people's fingers and things. But in all honesty, the other thing to say to you is if, if you've got a daughter that's talented or a dancer or some of you mums out there that have 
kids that have to wear stage makeup, I always say, look, prepare the canvas. So make sure you use beautiful skincare products, beautiful natural organic products as you can on the skin. And every now and again, when they've got a show or a dance competition or a play and they put all that garbage on them, they're not going to die from it. But it is just, just realize every now and again for a show or a dance or a comp, you know, just go with it. Just, I mean, sometimes if we're interviewed on television and they put the makeup on us that we're on on television, it ain't natural. But I go, you know what? My body eliminates and assimilates all of this with ease and I've prepared the canvas. So just, and get it off as quickly as possible. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Karen, do you have any other brands as well? Um, I've been using, um, is it Natural Glow as a BB cream? Um, and I quite like that because it's not heavy and I don't like a thick foundation on my face. So um, I'll use, I think it's called Natural Glow. I've Natural glow just reminds me of that. That reminds me of that Suzanne, whatever. Natural glow. Um, <laughs> the no, it's not. No, it's not that one. Then no, it's not that one. It's not that one. Well, La, La um, Mav has a La, oh. La Mav has a beautiful BB cream which goes beautifully on and it's light yes. and easy. So that's a good one too. And Inika has yeah, too. Yeah. As for the um, eyeliners and stuff, I, I'm a huge fan of the, the Eye of Horus because yeah. they've got the most beautiful range. You can get gorgeous pastel greens and purples and blues and blacks and browns, and then they've got mascara that doesn't smudge. And for me, my eyelashes are really long, so I always find I get big black eyes from using some more of the waxy-based ones because the eyeliners and the mascaras have got a wax base, which is what makes um, it challenging for them not to smudge. And most of the time, I've always had to go to a waterproof. But as soon as it goes to waterproof, it's tested on animals. So for me, that's the definitive line for me. It's got to be natural, of course, but it also can't be tested on animals. So um, the Eye of Horus has been my absolute go-to. And now that they're breaking into lipsticks and so on, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's really cool. But I tend to stick to more mineral-based um, foundations, I don't like powders because my skin is very dry, so I'll go with a liquid mineral foundation, but we just have to be careful that it doesn't contain mineral oils because mineral oils are very clogging to the pores and it causes um, little white heads and little black heads in the pores because it lines the pores. It's very challenging to get a, a scrub that <gasps> is fine enough to get in and sweep the pores out, you see, so... Your your um, your scrub is fantastic, Kimmy. That one that um, I, I'll never forget. It was absolutely fabulous. Uh, Fleur introduced me to it. Do you remember that one that, that was the powder that we added water to? Yes. The you mean our mask? Is that what you're talking about? There was a maybe it was the mask clay it was wasn't mask. it a clay yeah a clay mask yeah, yeah that's clay. Yeah, a clay mask yeah it's beautiful it's a gorgeous fabulous one. yeah absolutely fabulous yeah yeah so um, yeah those are just those are just my rules on on my makeup but I'm like you Cindy I don't I don't actually tend to wear makeup other than a bit of mascara I don't wear makeup unless I'm on stage so if I'm on stage then I'll use um, my makeups and foundations and stuff, but if I'm at home or if I'm just, if I'm not on stage, I'm not wearing makeup. Yeah. 
I think the key is less is best, isn't it, anyway? But, um, but yeah, any questions around makeup, I love those websites. I love the fact that we're all, you know, I think the older you get, the less you need. But with young young women, young girls coming into starting to want to wear makeup, I would start with a beautiful, um, uh, nice powder mineral, um, and maybe a little a light mascara and a lip liner and, and, and lipstick or something, or not even a lip liner, a beautiful lip gloss or a light lipstick. So, you know, that's how Taylor started. And as I said, when she was doing her dancing, we just we just let those go and washed her face beautifully afterwards. So, yeah, I think that's that's a good starting spot anyway. Hmm. Cindy, cool. Cindy Sounds darling. good. Next question, this hmm. Cindy. This is a good one for you. I always love it when you get put on the spot with these ones. Can Cindy talk about a range of vitamins she trusts? The supermarket ones are obviously not fantastic, but are there any that she rates? That's from Ellie. Mm. You know, this is a, a brilliant question, and I have actually written a whole report on it. And I could update that report now because we understand so much more about vitamins now. So, um, most vitamins are manufactured by chemical companies that make the same ones that probably make drugs. If um, there is a brand out there, they will usually go to a supplement maker. Um, the main one is in Sydney in Australia. And that supplement maker will say, well, what vitamins and minerals do you want it? And they'll say, oh, I want B12 in there. I want this. I want that. Then that tablet maker will source the B12 or the vitamin D or wherever from all over the world. And there'll be about five chemical companies that will um, make those um those individual ingredients, they'll then get that into the warehouse in barrels. They'll then add other ingredients to it um, and make it into a tablet and give it to the person who wants that. So that's the basics behind vitamins and minerals. How they make the vitamins and minerals uh, is becoming more and more based on bacteria that they're finding that can make a vitamin um, especially not so much a mineral, but that can make a vitamin that they can genetically modify. So, for example, there's a new um, supplement out, and I think we've discussed it, but it's the Keto um, OS system. And the the main ingredient in that is a ketone called beta-hydroxybutyrate. And beta-hydroxybutyrate um, is the ketone that the human body makes. Um, and no other animal in the, the world, you know, on this planet makes it. We do to save our brains. So the, the, um, it is made by a genetically modified Erisherichia coli where they've taken the genes out of a bacteria that they know makes, um, a, like something before the BHB, but I'm not going to go into that. So they're using genetically modified bacteria in order to do this. They might use molds. So vitamin C, for instance, starts as off as wheat, then becomes glucose, uh, and then from glucose it then becomes, um, you know, uh, goes through genetically modified um, bacteria or process um, or fermentation in order to then make ascorbic acid, not necessarily vitamin C. Vitamin A is made from acetone. So this is, I'm generalizing now. So I'm looking at supplements uh, in the um, marketplace and how they're produced and what they are. Let's just even look at folic acid that is introduced into our breads. It's introduced into um, not only our breads, but it's also introduced into um, our flours. It's in our breakfast cereals. The introduction of this vitamin B was 
put in in 2009 in Australia as, as something that was mandatory. And now what's happening is that we're realising that um, this mandatory vitamin B cannot be assimilated or used or utilised by about 60% of the population. We don't have the enzyme that can convert folic acid into its active form. So therefore, the folic acid um, runs around the blood system, creating havoc. Um, the body doesn't know how to use it. It becomes a waste product. Um, and what we're finding is that when women take folic acid or are eating breads and things like that while they're pregnant, the chances of the child that is going to be born to them could have a midline um, problem and that midline problem um, could be a lip tie or a tongue tied and I know that there's some um, problems with um, male um, penises, you know, child penises. So, this is our midline problem. You know, when we, when we play with nature and we just take these things, to me, supplements should be taken like medicine. On an emergency situation um, for medical reasons and that you know, you need to take it. So what I'm seeing at the moment is that everybody is taking vitamin D because everybody's got a vitamin D deficiency, it seems. It, whether they live in a, a climate where we should see sun all the time or not, but there's a reason why we're getting vitamin D deficiencies and we need to start looking at those as opposed to just taking the vitamin D supplement. Um, it, it could be B12 could be a problem. Um, so there could be... B6, it could be zinc, which is based on pyrroles. And so for taking them for a short amount of time until you've worked out what the actual problem is, is I don't think it's a problem. It's when we go, oh, well, we're going to have to take that for the rest of our lives. It's just like a drug. Well, you're going to have to take that for the rest of your life. You're not looking at the cause. You're looking at the the symptom, um, which could be the vitamin D deficiency. It could be the pyrroles, which is the symptom. It's not the cause. So for me, if um, I'm looking at supplements, I want to look for something that's coming from Mother Nature, that's in um, context with the rest of the other vitamins and minerals that it would normally come with. So, and that's why we have our line of foods that are high in a particular vitamin. So for instance, Camu Camu, Gubunji, Acerola are all um, high in vitamin C, but they're also high in other vitamins and minerals and macronutrients, which is carbohydrates, proteins, and there could be a small amount of fat in that, which helps us use vitamin C as opposed to, you know, ascorbic acid. Now, um, you know, Dr. Calicarinas um, did a lot of research on vitamin C back in the 80s and um, you know, it was noted that taking large amounts of vitamin C could help with certain medical conditions. You know, that's okay, but not when we are looking at well, what do I take on a daily basis to supplement, you know, probably a poor diet. First of all, get your diet right and then look at concentrated foods. So oysters are high in zinc. Why not eat so have some oysters as opposed to zinc? I know that that offends you, Karen, and I'm sorry, um, but, you know, for those greatly, who feel greatly. <laughs> for, those, for those who will eat oysters, go have half a dozen oysters every week. You know, I do. I go down to my local fish shop and um, I'll have half a dozen oysters um, along with some cognac. I really enjoy it. <laughs> so do it with food as much as possible. So our green powder. And our green powder, we, you know, we've put in sprouts, so broccoli sprouts. We put in kelp. We've put in barley green. We put in 
things that are in their holistic manner. Um, chocolate, you know, chocolate is high in fat soluble vitamins. So why not have 100% chocolate? Take one of my chocolate melts and you've got, you know, an increase in your fat soluble vitamins. What about our inky inchi seeds? Even the inky inchi oil, it's high in omega threes, which um, our body needs. So that's a, not so much a, a vitamin, but a macronutrient. So for me, it's always about looking at the food. How can I use it as a food, not a supplement? And, you know, for the inky inchi oil, I make pesto and mayonnaise every single week with that. Um, liver is high in B vitamins. It's high in vitamin D. So I'll make pate. Sorry, Karen. I'll make pate every single week and make sure that my family's eating pate. This is the way we've always eaten. This is the way that um, we have always had our vitamins and minerals delivered. So like I said, find a natural type of vitamin or if there's a medical reason, um, then, you know, uh, you know, take the vitamin that's prescribed to you by your integrative medical doctor or your naturopath. As far as companies, um, while I don't agree entirely um, with this company, I really like them and I really like their education and I really like that they keep up with the latest and their understanding of um, the gene genetics and how we need different forms of different vitamins in order to um, help people with different alleles um, in their genetics. So I really like bioceuticals. So if I was to, like I said, I'm not 100% with them, but of all of the ones out there, they're probably one of my my favourites because um, at least they're keeping up with what we know um, with supplementation and um, how some supplements can actually be an issue. So I hope that Cindy, just um, just just on that, um, yes. I'm just curious. A lot of naturopaths will prescribe the Metagenics brand. What do you know about them? Well, I don't know a lot about Metagenics and I do know that, that they are prescribing, um, naturopaths are prescribing Metagenics. I, the one thing that turned me off Metagenics was when I looked at their protein range and their um, protein bars and I just didn't agree with many of the ingredients. So once again, Metagenics might be like bioceuticals. There might be some that I don't like, but there might be others that I really do like. But I would be, as a naturopath, I would be asking Metagenics questions, just as I ask bioceuticals, quest, uh, um, yeah, bioceuticals questions. So I'm always asking questions. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, about isogenics. They ask me about keto S. They ask me about Herbalife. They ask me about all of these um, different ones out there. And once again, I always say, go read the ingredients, find out, do the research. I've done it for you. I've written it up. I've done a Barocca one. I've done an Isogenics one. I've done a Keto OS one. But it's about you reading the ingredients and having a look at it and seeing if there's any suspect ingredients. Um, the, the one that's on f just fruits and vegetables, um, Juice Plus. So I used to really like Juice Plus. They used to just have the fruits and the vegetables. But now I'm noticing they're putting other things in, in their range. Um, and I'm starting to learn how they make um, and how they dry them. And it may not be my favorite thing. Perhaps if I undid the capsule and put it in my kefir 
drink and I fermented the maltodextrose out, if there is any maltodextrose in that powder, then I might be happy with it. And then it's got those nutrients in there and it would enhance that nutrient. So for those that are ha- that do have juice plus, that's the way I would would use them as I'd be um, fermenting them um, by natural bacteria in order to get rid of any of the maltodextrin, which is usually used in the drying process and enhance the vitamins and minerals um, that are already in the kefir, but um, also in the juice plus. So I hope that um, answers um, Ali's question because it's a huge topic and I've only just touch the surface but if I was to look at the whole philosophy of things it's about food and if you say to me you know well food's just not good enough anymore well I disagree I disagree I think that we can find the food now our you you know most of us are in a situation where we can find good quality foods I think Uh, I think the key though Cindy is is for a lot of people in drought-stricken areas or aren't able to access fresh vegetables and things or perhaps have gone through a stressful time you're, you're talking I mean I'm assuming that you're 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 accepting that there's times where supplementation would be very yes. beneficial and and to go for as natural as possible. And um, I know that there's companies that actually make up, I know when Dr. Carlos um, prescribes certain uh, vitamins, he goes through a certain dispensary that makes them according to the individual's needs based on the blood test results, which is what a lot of naturopaths will do through places like Pimble Grove down in in Sydney, so it, it's again, and it's a case of your own research, and it's also a case of, um, I guess, from you, the key message I'm getting for you is get as close to nature as possible, and when supplementing, look at the ingredients, and also make sure that they are processed in the most natural way possible, and also realise it's only for a short time. Would that be fair? No, I think definitely, Kim. I think you summarise that absolutely beautiful. And our compounding chemists are starting to make up things like you know. Carlos does for us. Um, they, they're starting to make it up, but remembering that they still will be made from those ingredients that I've I've already spoken about. So take it for the time that you need to take it for, but correct your diet, correct your lifestyle. Uh, one of the things that Changing Habits is doing this month is that we're starting a prevention month. We've just decided that it's it's time people start to wake up and. You know, nutrition is just part of that prevention. We've got other things that we need to look at as well, and um, and I'll put I'll do a blog out on that, so I'll let everybody know when that happens. But yeah, you summarise that beautifully, Kim Morrison. Oh, good. Well, you know, obviously nutrition has a lot to do with a couple of these other questions. Um, Karen's going to offer quite a lot of insights on this one as well. I'm only joking, Kaz. Um, it's all about <laughs> childbirth. Um, <laughs> um, awesome. I, I've got all of your answers. <laughs> um, it's from beautiful Gemma, Just and there's don't also trust me. <laughs> and there's also um, a couple of questions here on fertility. So maybe we could do the whole thing at once. Uh, and I'm thinking, Cindy, you're going to be the best one that we ask this to. Listen to your podcast about childbirth years ago, and I've just listened to it again. It's even more relevant to me now as I'm 12 weeks pregnant, and I'm excited to bake and birth this baby. Love what you all spoke about on this podcast, but I want to know more about coping with labor and how my husband can help with this too. Any books, people, ideas that I might find useful? I live in Gladstone and have access to a midwifery group practice. I love the sound of them. I meet with them when I'm 16. I meet with them when I'm 16 weeks. They're all for cord clamping, music to my ears and breastfeeding. They don't let me go until we've worked out attachment and how to keep things going and keep things keeping. 
Um, I cannot wait to meet them. Any ideas you'd have around pregnancy, birth and labour, I'd be most appreciative. And one of the other questions is um, around hearing about the pill and infertility in 20 to 30-year-olds and how to reverse it. So maybe we start with, what do you want to start with, Cindy? Uh, let's start with um, Gemma's because Gemma talks about, you know, she's listened to our podcast and maybe we people can refer back to that because in that podcast we would have talked about ultrasounds, we would have talked about um, glucose tolerance tests that, that are, are just done routinely in pregnancy and whether we agree with them or not agree with them uh, and the pros and cons of it. And, and by the way, uh, I've heard the most stunning news on ultrasounds recently. Um, I was listening to a gentleman who's talking about some new studies out of China that are all in Chinese, of course, um, and he's translating them all. And it's not looking good for the effects of ultrasound on on a baby. But I'm not going to go into that. The best thing is to probably um, – actually, I'll write that down so that I give the link to that podcast about ultrasounds. So let me just write that, write that down, which I've done. So, And as far as glucose tolerance tests, um, if you're in a birthing centre, sometimes they make you do it. Um, but if you can get out of it, all the better because of what they put in um, the glucose tolerance test. So the, the food that you or the, the liquid that you have to drink. I'm, you know, look, we've made pregnancy medical instead of something that's quite natural. And so we have to do all these tests. So there's the ultrasound, there's the um, glucose tolerance test, there's the saying that we shouldn't have lettuce and second-day chicken and um, soft cheeses and, you know, there's all of these dietary um, requirements, which makes me laugh because then they tell you that you should have the influenza vaccine um, while you're pregnant and the whooping cough vaccine. And now the influenza vaccine still has mercury in it and the dose of mercury that is in that influenza vaccine is larger than the fish that you're not allowed to eat, larger than that's in the fish that you're not allowed to consume. Um, and so I just find that quite, quite um, not laughable, but just ridiculous. And as we're told, you know, there are two different mercuries, methylmercury and ethylmercury, but um, methylmercury, by the way, is in the fish, ethylmercury is in the vaccine, but ethylmercury goes across the blood-brain barrier uh, as well. So I would question that one. And as far as the whooping cough goes, I don't know enough about it, so I'm not going to even go there. But I do know about the influenza, that there is mercury in that vaccine, and I would be questioning um, whether you really do need it uh, or not as a pregnant woman. And I've been listening to a lot of medical doctors lately who were always told um, that they were told never to vaccinate pregnant women. And now we seem to be doing that routinely uh, for pregnant women. As far as coping with uh, the birth process, which is a totally natural process, and when your body tells you what to do, if you can be with inside your head and do what your body tells you to do, rather than laying on your back like your doctor wants you to do for convenience sake or your midwife, not usually a midwife, but, but often a doctor because my doctor wanted me on my back. Um, so I think hypnobirthing. I, I actually think, Gemma, if you can look up hypnobirthing, I'm not an expert at it, so I can't give you the ins and outs of it. Actually, it would be wonderful if we could, um, you know, interview somebody who does hypnobirthing, but I would be looking up hypnobirthing. That would be number one. And number two is Anna May Gaskin. So Anna May and then Gaskin, and I think it's spelled G-A-S-K-I-N. 
would be somebody that I would be reading thoroughly. She has um, a birthing center. She's, I think she's in her 70s now, and she has a birthing center, and she has like a 99.5% success rate, rate of a vaginal birth. And so she knows what she's talking about. I remember when I met Anna May Gaskin. Uh, I met her quite a few years ago in Virginia. I went and listened to her speak. And I, I, I went up to her and I said, Anna May, I had a, a posterior baby that I delivered in less than an hour. And she said, oh, my goodness, that's, you know, you don't usually hear that. How did you do that? And I said, well, my body told me what to do. And I showed her the action that I did to turn um, Tania around. And she she looked at my at me doing it and she just went oh I can see that happening and I can see why that would oh I'm going to tell all my posterior mums this (laughs) so she was just she's enthusiastic she wants to learn from mothers so I would be reading Anna Magaskin stuff Um, whatever you can get your hands on read her information on birth uh, and birthing and the other thing that um, I had the absolute pleasure of, of doing was listening to an amazing woman speak on breastfeeding. And let me just see. I had the, my book out. I want, I want to – it was mind-blowing. It says that breast milk changes with the baby's saliva. Um, when the saliva goes onto the nipple, the mother um, detects that and it will change the components of the breast milk as to what that baby needs. When a mother smells, and I'm sorry, Karen, I'm going to offend you, but too bad. When a mother smells the feces of her baby, the breast milk will change to that smell. Uh, it was, it was unbelievable the things that, uh, that I was learning. The saliva also produces hydrogen peroxide um, from the mother and that in turn helps with any parasites that that baby may have. And it was just that we're starting to realise what all of that is doing uh, and the flow of, of how things happen. So, you know, I think as a society we need to start um, helping mothers relax about this allowing them to breastfeed where they want to breastfeed. It's a natural occurrence instead of this whole stigma around breastfeeding and having to cover the baby and all that. I just think it's time that, you know, we we make, you know, make some changes in society and make realise that breastfeeding is one of the, the most important things. And also after birthing, because birthing is just the start of it, we have to think about, well, what are we giving that baby after birthing? So one of the... Um, injections that you get is vitamin K because there's a belief that the baby is low on vitamin K, the breast milk doesn't have enough vitamin K and um, we need to give vitamin K to every single baby. Now, I think five babies a year died of of, um, hemorrhagic disease before they bought on vitamin K injections, which is not a huge amount of babies to die, but that if that's your baby, then it's the biggest amount of all. But the fact that every single baby has to have, have Kanakian or vitamin K when that baby is born, I think needs to come into question. And just like vitamins and minerals that we now know that some people can't convert to the active form and some you know people can't use them, I think we need to start considering, well, what baby is at risk? Who's at risk? Is it a mother that's taken a lot of antibiotics? 
and the vitamin K is very low. The Is it someone whose microbiome is not producing the vitamin K and therefore that's at risk to the baby? Is it because that baby has had a, a violent birth? And I'm not calling it that a bad birth, but just a birth where you've had high forceps or, you know, the baby has had a, had a birth that's not simple. Is that the baby that's at risk and do we need to give those babies vitamin K? So I think... For my part, it's about questioning, well, who's at high risk here and am I at high risk? And then, of course, um, the mother will be given syntometrine, which is oxytocin. So, ask that question, is that needed? Um, if there's a C-section, uh, be prepared, have everything um, written down as to if you want that baby to be seated during a C-section. Um, so, these are all questions that I think that need to be asked and be prepared for. After all, that birth sets that baby up for uh, either a lifetime of, of, of sometimes issues versus not a lifetime of issues. So, we do know that C-sections, um, the baby isn't seated properly, and but we have ways to seed them properly now. We're, we're so much more knowledgeable. But as far as um, coping with that um, labor process, I would definitely go to hypnobirthing. And that's spelled H-Y-P-N-O, birthing, B-I-R-T-H-I-N-G. So, that would be my suggestion for Gemma. I hope that helps you, Gemma. Um, but there, there are so many more knowledgeable people out there now. You know, I did my last one 23 years ago, nearly 24 years ago. Kimmy, when was your last? 18, 16, um, 17? I still <laughs> remember every puff, every pant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, a great book that's been around since I was looking at babies and is still a very well sought after book is, is Natural Fertility by Francesca Nash. And that might also help the people that are struggling to fall pregnant or are having fertility issues. She was a guru around in my time and she still seems to be. And I think she even has clinics down in Sydney. So um, Natural Fertility, The Complete Guide. Yeah. Um, to um, pregnancy and all sorts of things. So I think she's a great book. Look, I, I found that, you know, if you ask Cindy questions, you're going to get all the science and all the information you could possibly ever want around what the sort of questions, if you're in the middle of labor and all of a sudden you start asking questions, you might that, that they might all just disappear. So my advice would be to have all those questions um, perhaps looked, looked at in, in a birthing plan prior to all of this so that if any emergency arises, you know exactly the path you'd like to take. I know people that have planned a home birth but they've they've realized at the last you know within two hours before the baby's born they've decided together with husband and and maybe the midwife that they need to go to a hospital and I think everything um, happens for a reason trusted um, the, one of our close friends had a baby just a, f a year and a bit ago and she had the most natural plan all devised and chiropractic background and everything and then ended up having to have a c-section and she mm. was the first person to tell the hospital she wanted to do the seating so she actually taught these people, these nurses around the qualities and powers of seeding and I don't underestimate the fact that you might go in a little bit more knowledgeable around certain topics and things or, you know, pull out reports when it comes to being injected with the vitamin Ks and things. If you don't do your homework and if you if people do still go ahead with the exact medical process of what's happening, then you've also got to trust that that's meant to be as well and don't beat yourself up and don't feel mm. bad and, and I just think 
you know, it's, it's hard enough work as it is being a mum, let alone carrying the guilt of doing things right or wrong. Whether you do it the best way ever, you'll find a way that you felt guilty. You should have done something else. Trust me. It, it happens the minute you conceive. You're going to have the word guilt follow you everywhere. Um, but, you know, oils, I've been at six births. I've had the privilege of supporting six women to birth their babies as well as two of my own obviously um but i think the part of being a support person which was such a privilege was where i got to really experiment with the oils um i got to massage these women and just go with the flow and if there was too much talking i just got really in tune with the woman in labor and this is before i had my baby so i didn't even know what it would be like to have a baby and so you don't have to be knowledgeable in giving birth to be a great support person mm. it's actually wonderful to be an intuitive person and just read the woman and it's a natural primal absolutely beautiful process really and all you want to tap into is that innate intelligence of the body and the woman and, and knowing that this is all as it's meant to be i think the oils work really powerfully, um, warm compresses, cool compresses, spritzes are always beautiful. Um, as far as supporting the husbands, there's there's been a number of husbands I've had to hold their hand and take them out of the room because the wife's just told him exactly what she thought of him and it was all his fault and almost abused the heck out of these two men and I took them out and just told them, look, that's it's not normal. That's not how she really feels. Um, sometimes they can feel a bit bruised and battered in the whole process and incredibly helpless. So the more informed they are with the whole journey is really important. I mean, my husband, I can't, I can't begin to tell you, um, he was not a help at all. He actually passed out the minute he saw the head crowning. So um, as far as... <laughs> As far as I would suggest, if you have a queasy partner, then ask them, as Danny would say, don't stand down the engine room, go up to the head end. So <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I think, understand who your husband or partner is in this too and make sure that they're up for uh, the whole process. But, you know, having a diffuser going, having Arnica, you know, a week before the baby's due, taking drops of Arnica and then supporting yourself. Perineum massage with a cold-pressed coconut oil or vegetable oil is a beautiful, um, I don't know if you'd call it a ritual, but that was recommended. Massaging the nipples and getting that all ready for the, the I noticed Karen's gone on to mute, um, but doing all of these sorts of things um, is really important. And, and trust, just go with the flow. Don't get anxious. My first baby was very much around I was so scared of the pain and was always almost trying to fight every contraction, which is really weird. And then with Jacob, even though it was just as intense, just as short and just as powerful, I I remember Danny's mum's words in my ear, you know, it's like the tide, darling, it comes in and it goes out and just work with each breath. And that really calmed me, which I think is where the hypnobirthing would be phenomenal and having mm -hmm. a really good team around you. So any of those things I think would be very supportive. There's so many good books. And if you want a funny book, Kaz, Kaz Cooks Up the Duff is one of the funniest, most brilliant um, light-hearted ways to look at all of this topic and take away the heaviness that, like Cindy was saying, is becoming so prevalent now. It's becoming so medical and mechanistic. It's, you know, where are the days where we were in a room and supported and loved and it's just a natural process. So, yeah, I'm with uh, you. Yeah, and then when there is an emergency, we're so lucky now because we have the know-how how to um, get a baby out, whereas in the old days, the mother and the, and the child would pass away. So, so we've got the best of both worlds and it's it's about, I think, 
linking the best of both worlds, don't you, Kim? Yeah. And that's episode mm. 68 if you want to listen to more about um, on Up for a Chat around pregnancy. Um, as far as the fertility, we did do a topic on fertility and I know that I'll, I'll look that one up as well. But um, the one question I think I'd love to direct to you, Cindy, is around the pill and infertility. Mm. I mean, some people have been on the pill for years, go off at a month and they're pregnant straight away. Other people sadly never have the opportunity to fall pregnant. We don't know whether it is the pill causing that or not, but what would be some of your advice around the pill and infertility for 20 to 30-year-olds? Yeah, before I address that, I just want to address um, after the birth of the baby and the amount of tongue-tying and lip-tying that's happening, which is causing problems um, with breastfeeding. Um, Our beautiful chiropractic friend who also had the C-section took folic acid tablets because that's what her doctor had told her to do and um, she had a a baby with a a tongue tie who really struggled to breastfeed but I got to tell you she persisted and it's it's also about well how do you deal with that tongue tie do we need to cut it or can it be lasered so there are there are different ways. Don't think you just one opinion is going to do it because she was first given the opinion of, oh, we'll have to put him under general anaesthetic and we're going to have to cut it. Whereas she went, you know, two hours away, oh, we can just laser it. It'll be uncomfortable for about an hour or two and then it'll be fine. So um, there's these issues as well that I think um, are really important because I was speaking to a midwife and um, she was telling me that her friend now, all she does is tongue ties and lip ties. She cuts them. And she is so busy um, every day. Like it was before midday and she'd already done 12 of them. So they're becoming very prevalent. And and I think – I don't know if mothers are being told this, but mothers need to be prepared that this is what's happening, especially if they have taken – folic acid not always because you might be 40 percent of the population that doesn't have that problem so we don't know unless you have that genetic testing and and this is you know we did that beautiful um podcast with margie uh smith oh mm. my gosh she, we fell in love with her didn't mm. we Kimmy? karen you missed her but she just was the most amazing woman and um that conversation oh, I, I was would... there for that one oh, with margie that one yeah, with Margie, and it totally blew my mind. Kimmy oh. just finished up that podcast because I had to leave early, but she was she was mind blowing, and That's the conversation cool. that the two and you, the two of you were having, I was flicking my dictionary left, right, and said, "What was that? What does she mean by that? What does that mean?" <laughs> yeah, she she was brilliant, Amazing. absolutely brilliant, and I'd love to have her um, back on. But um, now going on to that next question. Um, is the pill and infertility. So, you know, the pill gave freedom. Uh, that uh, That's what it was all about. It was to give us freedom, but we really didn't have the long-term studies to see uh, what the pill actually did to the human body and it affects everybody differently. So um, if you have been on the pill for quite some time and you have infertility, the thing is, is that you have to work uh, with many things in order to, to get well. And I'm not the expert. I'm the expert in what type of diet should be taken. Kim's the expert in uh, how to clean up the house as far as getting rid of hormone disruptors um, and chemical toxins. And then Karen is the expert in mind because sometimes we get so um, frantic about this that we're not getting pregnant. We've gone off the pill that we need to be calmed down. So we need to be looking at all three aspects of, of that infertility. There's um, 
there, you know, just by changing the diet and doing those things that I've talked about can sometimes change fertility rates. It could be the thyroid that's um, an issue. So you might need to look at your iodine levels and, and thyroid. So I would actually do exactly what you said, Kim, and that is to go to, um, what's her name again? Um, they've all left me. I've just forgotten her name. Um, sorry, anyway, sorry, Kim I was talk- on mute. I was on mute and I'm talking away to you going, Francesca Nash, Francesca Nash. <laughs> Francesca Nash. <laughs> yeah. I, I would start with Francesca Nash um, because she is absolutely brilliant and she's got a great book out uh, and can help you through that whole thing um, of infertility. Um, but if you need all the other aspects, then you've got us three here as well. So I think that that uh, would answer that question as best as we can. We also did a podcast with Andrea Bickett. That was one um, of the first on, podcasts we ever did. I'll look it up. Yeah. yeah. Have a look that one up. Andrea Bickett uh, is a specialist with hormones and fertility, and she suggested Francesca Nash mm. to everybody then. I would definitely listen to, to that one. Did we do one, an, another one? Um, just trying to think. We'll see what ones we've done on fertility um, and the pill and see what we can. And I know I interviewed somebody about the pill and I'm just not sure whether we put that on the podcast or not. So we'll, we'll look into that for you, Laura. So hopefully that answers that question for you. We, um, we also had a question uh, kind of on the same subject uh, from Clarissa. And Clarissa is about to give the talk to her daughter and Kimmy, I thought you'd be good at this one. Now, is it the talk as in sex or is it the talk as in the periods? No, I – oh, my assumption was sex. What's yours, Kaz? What do you think the talk would be? It's the the birds and the bees. It's the birds and the bees talk. Uh Aha. And you think I'd be appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the skanky tune on the crack horse probably would be better. (laughs) You're such a tart. <laughs> oh, I love you. You're lucky you're driving a car, Missy Moo. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, look, you know, I, I was told many years ago when the children were young, you know, don't ever feel like you have to impose the conversations or the talks onto your kids. Be led by them as well. Um, so, you know, the, the, be just be have your antennae up and be aware when they start making comments about things or when they start um, noticing things or, you know, their hormones are changing or they're being attracted to certain things. Obviously, they're all little signs and signals. And I think for us it was um, we have, we're fairly open in our home. We have fairly open conversations around um, things that's always been there. And I've always just said to both my children when they were young, look, there'll come a time. And I talked about it from a relationship point of view to start with. So I was never really talking about sex as such, but it was always like, you know, one day when you meet someone really special and, you know, there comes a time where someone, you're going to be really attracted to them and and it's going to be really important for you to make sure. And then I would go into, and I still to this day talk about um, how your body is a temple. The body, you know, relationships and sparks and chemistry will always occur and then kick in teenage hormonal hormones and sometimes you would think there was no brain um, and and it really is all driven via hormones. So you're not going to make sense. Some of the things 
that I've witnessed with my children. I, I can't wait for them to be older when I can actually tell these stories. Um, but right now they'd probably be a little bit too sensitive for me to tell them. But um, I know a lady who... no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> who has a daughter or a son. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all honesty, it was really very much around, um, you know, the respect for the body. Um, Danny's mum said something very interesting, and she as the grandmother said this and, and is quite open with them as well um, around what a privilege it is for, and I hope this isn't crass for, for, or it doesn't sound crass or it doesn't come across wrong on our podcast, and please just turn this off if you've got young children in the car or something, but Danny's mum always said, you know, we should always teach our young women what a privilege and an honour it is to have a man enter her. Um, it is your sacred space. It is so beautifully, um, it is very remarkable and it's incredibly, it's a privilege to allow anyone in there. And when you have it from that level and then you start looking at conversations around what our womb is about and what it is from a very spiritual point of view, you have a very different conversation to a mechanistic wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of conversation. So, you know, it's it's up to you as a family, as you as a mum, you can direct it with real, um, you know, the worst thing is to look embarrassed or be embarrassed, they'll pick up on that. You've been there, you know what it was like for you. If you didn't like what your mum and dad did, then try a different way. If you loved how they were, then be that way as well. But, you know, I think People talk about sex in such a, um, it can be seen as so crass and so, um, I don't know, it's just not spoken about in a very beautiful, it is such a big part of our lives and yet it seems to have such a distasteful connotation to it and I'm sure pornographic things were all around, it has been around for centuries, we know that um, whorehouses and prostitution has been around for, for many, many, many years so there is always going to be that side to it I guess. The, the important thing is for us is to teach a young woman to be very proud of her body and to teach a young man what a privilege it is to to be able to be in those if, if it's a heterosexual relationship so um, I think with both of Taylor and Jacob they've actually uh, most of the time they've shocked me with what's going down um, Danny's, Danny's mum was also very big on you know they're going to do it anyway um, they will always find a way teenagers so we're delusional to think that we're going to say to all young people you'll have to wait till you're married I, I think that's perhaps a little bit delusional I'm not saying it doesn't happen but you know young people will always find a way so whether or not you want them to be doing it in cars or at the beach or whether you have a value around there's certain times or places then these are all the rules of engagement that occur in your house I've got a friend who will not allow even her daughter who's now 19 she will not allow her boyfriend to stay the night at their home she believes the family home is her family home and it's her safe place and as far as she's concerned when she marries then of course he will then become part of the family but until then that's their rules they will not allow that in the house um, so you know I think it's horses for courses and, and I'm not sure if that's answering the question wholeheartedly but I think it's around respect and having real reverence and appreciation that the act is very intimate it is a beautiful part of life it is a very special part of life and you don't just want to throw that around to anybody and everybody and you don't want to become the town slapper or the <laughs> the, the team player um, Taylor sent me a coach a, a text today it was, it was gorgeous it said I've heard you're the player. Well, let me tell you, I'm the coach. And I just thought that's so typical of her, you know, like she's, she, she likes to, to feel like she's the one that 
it's a privilege. She always tells people it's a privilege. If anyone's going to touch her, it's a privilege. And I, I quite like that attitude she has. And Jacob's in a very serious relationship. He absolutely adores this girl and they've got a very special connection. And it's just lovely to see young love and it's beautiful. Her mum and I often text each other and go, aren't they adorable? And I think that's really lovely to have an open communication with the, the child's or your, your son or daughter's partner's family as well. I think it's important we all navigate this together. We've Some of us, we've never been there before as far as being a parent of, of hormonal teenagers. So, you know, play the game with an open heart be um, aware some things will shock you um, and some things you'll shock them with just remember you can give it back just as much as they can give it to you I'll never forget um, Taylor and Jacob uh, I think I've shared this story on a podcast before but you know one day they were a bit younger and they were going on about the fact that I could do with a boob job because they're so floppy and they were watching me get dressed one morning or something we're all having a chat in the bathroom and I turned around and I said well they're like that because of you two and then they cracked up laughing and I said and the fact that your father hangs off them as well and they both went oh oh too much information oh my gosh and they've never said anything about it since so um, <laughs> just remember we have power too <laughs> oh, I love it. I some love things it. are just wrong though Kimmy <laughs> that's, just, that's just that's just a visual no kid exactly. no. they've never said anything oh, about them yeah. since I think I won. Well, I, I remember how I um, approached it with my daughters, not so much my son, but my daughters. So we're driving in the car. We're doing 100 kilometres an hour. I roll the windows up. I lock the door. I said, right, it's time. We're having that talk. And the two of them just went, no, mum, no, we don't need the talk. We've had sex education at school. No, I said, no, it's time for that talk. That's a and so I started – I had, they I got had nowhere to go, have they? <laughs> I had the captive audience with them. And and anyway, I, I basically said, okay, this is as far as I'm going to go. All 16-year-old boys want one thing and one thing only. Right, we're fine now, girls. And then it, we all started laughing and then we were able to have a conversation about it. And it became a conversation, not me talking. It was about them asking me questions and, you know, and I, I, just, I, I made it funny. You know, I yeah. started – I did it like that. So I had a captive audience and then I went, right, all boys, this is all they want. You know, so it I was, love it. yeah. Love it. And that, and we now, and then we had this, um, a really open conversation about it. I don't remember the conversation now. I just let them lead, um, with their questions and then I answered them. And, and they, you know, they weren't hard at all. They were, they were just asking about what's it feel like to be in love and, I don't know. It was it was good, and it obviously wasn't too traumatic for me because I've gotten over it. I don't know about those two. I don't know if they've gotten over it, but <laughs> <laughs> Karen, how, how was your birds and the bees talk? I'm interested on this one, Kaz. How, what happened to you? Did your mum? I can't. I can't imagine your little precious mama sitting there, or if she did, is she? I tell us. She bought us a book on how babies were made. And apparently, out of us three kids, I was the most interested in it. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. I don't. I don't. I don't quite remember the actual talks, but I do remember my mum wanting to talk about it all the time to make sure that we all understood. And each time, it'd be like, "Oh no! Oh no!" Because you know, at the time, it was like, "Don't tell me this," because then I think you do these things. And then I have to picture you doing these things, and I'm very visual, and it was just all wrong. 
so I just, I really was, I really wished that I'd learnt off the streets or I'd learnt from Hey, now who's the dirty $2 crack whore, hey? Hey? Yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a beautiful but conversation. Yeah. It's a it's a cool conversation if you approach it with fun. And I th- I love your idea, Cindy, of of being in the car. But I also love you know let, let's make it funny so that it is a fun conversation. It should be fun. I always make it fun in my talks. I think. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember getting the I book. Think- Where did I come from? So we used to read that. Um, as, yeah. as though it's one of the storybooks, you know, one of the, the kids' book, we, where did I come from? And so we would we'd read that one as well. So oh, for me, you know, on that book, you know, on that book, Danny, yeah. Danny, we'd just moved over here to Australia. Jacob would have been, I think, seven. Taylor would have been eight. We're at the supermarket in Mooloolaba. And uh, Jacob goes, he just, oh, I'm putting food up onto the counter. And Jacob goes, you've had sex. And I just went, oh, my gosh. I just looked and I went, sorry because they always say don't look shocked when they do things to you and I've gone mm-hmm. and he goes and you've done it twice and I went that's right and the lady behind the counter is just doing the little chuckle and the little like putting things across beep you know beep and I'm standing and Taylor's standing there going Jacob Jacob and he's going yeah I know all about it mum and I can't believe you've done it twice like this. And I said, well, darling, I think obviously you know quite a lot about it. So when we get home, we'll, we'll talk about that more. And then he puts his finger, left hand up with a round circle. And then he sticks his finger through it with the other one and goes, and that's how you did it. And the lady behind the counter, honestly, she, I, I reckon she'd still tell the story to this day. Anyway, we got home and I thought, there's a cute. So we got out the book, how, you know, where did I come from? We read it. I read it to them both. I said, you're obviously both interested. Read it. And at the end, and that was the last I heard of it for quite some time. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think it's just a, a, it's a slow progression. It's just, you know, it's not like you, you have one conversation about it. It seems to be many conversations that uh, you have about it. And I know I remember my stepdaughter was more likely to ask me questions than her own, than her own mother. And I've noticed that um, as uh, Tania asks Casey more than she'll ask me. So I, she must think Casey's, you know, realising I've got a 23 and a 25-year-old now. So and, Casey, and Tania's just, you know, getting into her first um, long-term relationship. So she rings Casey up. <laughs> That's so, the beauty they, of yeah. sisters and friends too. Yep. It is. It's wonderful. And I'm, I don't know if they've had a conversation with their brother, you know, their brother. I have no idea. But I know that the brother, the my son's, girlfriend's friend actually rang me about what are my options about the pill. Now, I don't know if she was ringing for her friend or herself. And I know a so I had a very who... long conversation about the pill and, and what were the options and what are the change, you know, what other things can we use? And Oh, I love <laughs> I just, it. I love it. Uh, I know. It's brilliant. Now, there was one other question. I don't know if we've got time for it. Um, well, yeah. we are at time and I just wanted to let everybody ah. know um, that and the, the the pregnancy and fertility episode was number 11 with Andrea Bickett. So that oh, was a wow. So a it was one. an early one. Yeah, really early. Yeah, great. Okay, so number 11. Um, so the last one was Sam asking us, um, there's a bit of confusion for her around paleo and Western price uh, and the fact that she was a pescatarian and she's just confused about what's the difference. Cool. So, uh, 
I'll do this very briefly because we are at time, but I didn't want to miss Sam's in case, you know, she's been listening and, you know, we haven't answered her question. So, um, okay, so paleo is based on that you eat no grain, no dairy and no legumes. You eat basically lots of vegetables, small amounts of fruits, nuts, seeds and um, small amounts of meat and good quality meats. Everything's good quality, made from scratch. So that's paleo. But then from paleo, there's also primal. Uh, And so primal is seen as, well, we can eat a bit of dairy um, but not grain. So... There's there so many variations, and if you have a look at the the scope of paleo in the real world, there's a huge scope from people, who, ones that eat dairy and meat only and no vegetables because they live in harsh environments, to um, ones that eat lots of carbohydrates, small amounts of fish and some coconut oil because they live in the tropics. Um, so... Paleo to me can mean many things, but traditional paleo in this day and age is seen as eating everything but no grain, no dairy, and no legumes. Whereas Western price is more about uh, using ancient, our ancient foods and preparing them in their traditional ways. So still eating grain, but eating grain that has been fermented properly or soaked and um, cooked properly, the old macrobiotic way, um, or eating dairy but having it fermented in its old-fashioned way and having a small herd as opposed to a large herd and having different dairies like goat and um, camel or whatever is in your area, which is the type of dairy that you would have eaten. It also talks about legumes, you know, eating legumes but making sure that they are soaked and cooked properly. Uh, they also eat fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds. So the diet with Western Price was very much eating a traditional diet, but eating it in a traditional way. So not the diet that we see today, which is non-traditional and non-traditional foods. These, you know, many of our foods are packaged with additives, preserves, and flavorings. Instead of fermenting foods, we preserve foods using a preservative. Instead of use having broth, we have magi. Um, stock cubes, which have got nothing to do with broth. And I know um, our beautiful broth lady is listening at the moment and she will understand the difference between magic stock cubes and broth of, you know, broth. So um, that's the difference between Western Price and Paleo. And if you're a pescatarian, um, so pescatarian is you're eating fish as opposed to fowl and red meat. Um, but if you, it, it depends on, like, we are in such a bad way at the moment as far as our guts go that some people have to be paleo because they cannot, they cannot even get anywhere near dairy or grain or legumes without it causing an absolute problem with their, um, their gut. So, to, you know, to say one's better than the other, I can't say that anymore. Uh, what I have to do is I have to figure out whether this one's better for you or the other one's better for you. But the basis is the same. We're eating real foods made traditionally um, and um, in a variety uh, and made from scratch as opposed from packaged foods. So that's as brief as I can do it for you, Sam, um, and I hope that that has helped you. Um, but if you need any more help, you know, we do have nutritionists on call on changing habits that can help you with making sure that your diet is exactly right for you. Perfect. You're amazing. God, how do you remember all that stuff anyway? Oh. 
thing I do remember is anything to do with nutrition. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to ask you to. <laughs> we bow down to you. food, you're all over it. Yeah. If it's food, I know it is, I, I, you know what? The more I know, the more I don't know. Mm. That's what I figured. The more I learn, the more I realize I have no idea. Uh, and that's, I think that's a really good position to be in because when you become where you think you know everything, then you know nothing. Uh, it's, it, we are still just learning. The science is never static. It is evolving. And when I learn about science, I realize um, that the science is merely correcting what, what innate has known forever. That's all. Or not correcting, but validating what innate has known forever. Beautiful. Well, this has been a fascinating podcast and fabulous to be able to explore all of our beautiful listeners' questions. I think, you know, no doubt today's podcast will have raised more questions for you guys. So why don't you head on over to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post some more questions there for us because it, it really gives us direction in terms of the topics we talk about, the people that we interview, and it also gives us direction in terms of um, where we want to take you, both figuratively here on the podcast but also physically on our hiking trips. So it gives us direction in terms of the sorts of things that you're looking for, what interests you, and it keeps us very much in touch with who our listeners are so that we can make sure that we're always catering to your needs with our, again, with our podcast and then also with our treks and our holidays and, you know, the places that we guys that we take you guys. So go to our Facebook page, all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or, of course, you can always go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. And, again, if you want to join us on our trek this year to New Zealand, or also next year to Africa, go to awakenthechangewithin.com and you can find everything that you need to know right there as far as itineraries, costings, payment plans, everything is right there for you. So join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that is changing the world and we are so going to see you on the ride. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.